Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are talking about ski tuning and ski wax and ski boots and the biggest mistakes that skiers make when walking into a ski shop to buy gear. And as you'll hear, we've got two guests with us today who are in a very, very good position to weigh in on these things. We've got the Brothers Boone. That would be Logan and Riley Boone, who are the owners of Boone Mountain Sports in Evergreen, Colorado. Logan and Riley have been skiing their entire lives. They grew up ski racing. They also grew up working in their father's ski shop, which they now run. And their obsession with ski tuning is one of the reasons why so many ski companies send their skis to Boone Mountain Sports before sending those skis out to magazine tests and the like. Logan and Riley are great and a lot of fun. And as you'll hear in this episode, meeting these two goes down as one of my favorite stories ever for how I got introduced to anybody. So we're going to talk about that story here. Yeah, (laughs) it still stands. We really had one hell of a memorable introduction. Oh, and guess what? Logan and Riley are going to be at our Blister Summit, which is happening February 4th through the 8th in Mount Crested Butte. So come to the Blister Summit and create your own memorable introduction to Logan and Riley. And who knows, one of the ways you could do that, similar to mine, is maybe you'll find yourself on the skin track with Logan or Riley because there is a backcountry component to our Blister Summit, And we are very grateful that Backcountry Program is presented by Bagbalm. And we are really proud of this because with all the attention that is put on ski touring gear these days in the industry, well, we love the fact that skiers and snowboarders can come to the Blister Summit and go try new gear, new split boards, new skis, etc., and be taken into the backcountry by professional guides where you will enjoy a ratio of four skiers and riders to every one guide. And this is something that is available to everyone regardless of their experience level. So whether you are new to ski touring or split boarding or whether you are an advanced or expert skier or rider, we will line you up with the right groups and with the right guides for you to go have a great experience in the Crested Butte backcountry. These half-day backcountry tours are free for Blister Summit attendees. And the only thing you need to do is register for the summit by January 15th, 2024 to participate in the backcountry portion of the Blister Summit. So if you're interested... Register for the summit, sign up by January 15th, 2024, and you'll be good to go. Okay, last thing I got to say before we talk to Logan and Riley. Folks, I am so proud of you. You are absolutely killing it 
with the ratings and reviews of Gear 30 on Apple Podcasts. We just have 52 reviews to go. I think I just checked yesterday. We're at 698 reviews. We just got to get to 750 and I get to go snowboarding. Now, I'm already nursing a fractured arm right now. Feeling pretty good, though. I think I'm going to go sneak out and get on snow this Sunday. Again, don't tell my doctor, but I can't wait. I'm really excited to get snowboarding. I am thrilled to hear that many of you are either excited to see me go snowboarding or you just actually want to see me break bones. I get it. It's fine. It's all good. But let's make this happen, folks. I'd love to hurry up and cross that 750 ratings and reviews threshold. So I know we're doing it then. We can start planning for that. I can figure out when J-Bob needs to get up here to Crested Butte. We can figure out when we're going to film this stuff. We can start calling in the right gear we're going to need. So we're only 52 reviews away. If you are a fan of Gear 30 and you haven't left us a rating or review yet, take 30 seconds. Go drop that rating. Let's get to 750. Let's freaking do this. Because sometimes bad ideas are the best ideas. And now let's get to my conversation with Logan and Riley. Here we go. All right. I am very happy to be here talking with the Brothers Boone. Fun fact. I was actually just hanging out with you guys in Evergreen, Colorado. Was that like a week ago? At time, I'm in like a time <laughs> vortex. As no, I, as we're, I, we're all in a time think, warp, man. I think it's it been was... about four years now of a time <laughs> warp. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, did you all ever see Interstellar, the movie? It was kind of well, like definitely. that. Seems like it was maybe a week ago or 47 years ago. One of the two. <laughs> one of the other. Yeah. Um, but but this is we should give the backstory here. We we I was just in Evergreen at Boone Mountain Sports. We were supposed to record a conversation together in person, but instead we just hung out for like four and a half hours at your shop <laughs> and had a great running conversation. We we drank some really good kombucha. Riley yep. made some excellent coffee. Um yep. We talked about boot fitting and checked out your like boot fitting whole room you have. We looked at Boots tuning boots. machines. We talked snowboarding. We covered like most global political issues probably at some point. No, I don't know. <laughs> it was but, like a four and a half hour. Yeah. It was proper. It was you, a proper you, time warp. You would have thought actually we would have solved all of the world's problems given how long that like hangout session was. We probably did. We probably did solve them all. Yeah. And then, and and then I'm not really work. sure what happened after that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, we this is like our makeup uh, conversation that we're having. Happy to be doing it. But what I really want to do is um, I feel like I have one of the coolest, this is how I met these guys stories, uh, really of anybody I've kind of ever met. And <laughs> now the problem is, as as you'll see in a second, it was kind of a dark night and we were somewhere in Austria, but it was dark and some beverages were being consumed. So all of our memories are not exactly crisp about this. 
but but this is how I met you guys, ironically, in Austria, not like in Colorado where we all live. It was always like hearsay. It was like, hey, there's this guy and he's the blister dude. And all of a sudden I was walking next to you. I didn't really, I didn't know who you were. I was like, oh, you're the dude. <laughs> Is that is that like the big Lebowski dude? Or think, just... <laughs> you do abide. I mean, I you abided. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, we were just on this like beautiful nighttime yeah. tour in Austria at dusk under the starlight, and we were hiking. We were we were just hiking to the middle of nowhere. The best part about it is like the Austrians told us nothing. Yeah, no, they were like. They're like, just be here for sunset. And all of us are like, do we bring, what What should we bring? Like, are we skiing? Are we, we going to bring an extra jacket? Are, are we actually pack, like packing up for a backcountry skiing? Or like, and then we just took off for like a nighttime tour to this magical hut. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And like you, like the final strides were the best because it was like the dad from Fiddler on the Roof was there stoking the fire, handing you like fresh mulled wine. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably the best mulled wine you've ever had yeah. in your entire it was my it was the best yeah. mulled wine I've ever had. Yeah. That was <laughs> my it. And, life. and I mean, that's true. You and I had a great talk on that yep. road. I mean, it wasn't a skin track, like it was kind of this road that no. we went up to this hut and we <laughs> Same thing, by the way. I love that you said that. I was like, are we like nighttime pow skiing or like what is the actual <laughs> program? And um, so we got there, had this dinner, which was great. We will leave out the story, the weird and awesome stories about Logan and the like. Getting married. <laughs> yes. Logan got married. <laughs> maybe we. Maybe we... <laughs> it's a she Vegas loves thing. Me, okay. <laughs> I almost Elga. didn't leave the mountain. Was it Helga? I so hope her name's Helga. I'm just going to call her Helga. <laughs> Probably Helga. So, yeah, we got to witness like a full-blown love, like watched a couple fall in love over the course of a two-hour dinner. Um, but then, you know, it was a festive dinner. And this is the part. I mean, this is really the part that still goes down as one of my favorite ski experiences of my life. This road that we had like skinned up to get to the hut. Well, it it basically was just like a perfect like mountain bike flow trail, really. With luge. like it was like a luge. It it was a luge, <laughs> but like not super narrow, as I recall. I mean, it was dark. I couldn't really see anything. Maybe it was narrower than I remember. What I what I remember are the high speed, high angle berms that we were just exactly. mobbing into <laughs> with like a headlamp and. And no care whatsoever about like if oh, if anything just... goes wrong on this frozen berm, <laughs> I'm just launching sixty feet off into the ether, and no one will hear me scream. You know, like it, it was honestly one of my favorite ski experiences of my life, and it was with the two of you. It, it was, was fantastic. It was magical. It was, <laughs> it was magical. It's a bit romantic. And but. going down that luge and going as fast as you wanted to go and with no care in the world, pretty lit on 
mulled wine and yeah. pee beers and just going for it and hooting and hollering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is with definitely no, something I'll remember forever. With no for regard sure. for like, if I'm like just smearing the shit out of this burn in a like this like, you know, I don't know. 100 foot burn type of thing if i catch a <laughs> rut like like i like i'd like probably tib fib like break both tibia well, fibulas and, and like not to mention we're in like lightweight atomic oh, yeah. uphill yeah, like yeah. We're, we're i was like on an 85 ul yeah. Yeah. yeah i think we were on the x like we were all on the backland xtds or whatever testing yeah. actually at the time. I, I was not i was actually in the boa still I, oh, uh, yeah, oh. I was in a Hawks. So I, I, oh, then I you were fine. Your tip fits fine. I, I was yeah. fine. <laughs> um, that was a smart play by me. But anyway, super fun. Nobody, nobody died that night, which is no, kind of no. amazing. No, 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 no injuries uh, either. I don't think so. We almost, we almost lost one person in our group who forgot to bring a lamp, but, uh, they, we actually waited like a couple hours to find this person, but they were finally oh, found. You did? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So I almost froze to death, like actually surviving the frozen luge burned out course. And uh, but yeah, we found that person. And anyway, I just want to say uh, it was one of my favorite stories of getting to meet some people, and and that launched our whole lovely relationship. It's pro- proper introduction to proper introduction. the store and yeah. the vibe and the and each other and each other. Yep. So yeah. on, on that note, tell the people a bit about the two of you and about Boone Mountain Sports in Evergreen, Colorado. What should yeah. we know? I think, I guess, I'm not even sure if we've done proper introductions, but I'm Logan Boone, and that's Riley Boone, my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boone yeah. Mountain Sports has been around since 1985, um, opened by my dad, Casey Boone, and just a passion for skiing you know um his passion started way before that it's been in the ski industry for almost 60 years um and that has just gone down uh, to the next generation his kids and right now it's um the kids that kind of run the shop um so we have been kind of running it for the past 15 16 years now and uh you know skiing's just our passion it's something that we grew up doing we were both in race programs um, big mountain programs. Um, I've been through a couple of different areas for boot fitting my entire life. And so, you know, some of the aspects of, uh, skiing, it's just kind of in our blood. We grew up huffing wax and wax and skis and, um, explains a skiing lot on the best stuff, <laughs> yeah. skiing the best, the best gear possible. So magical. <laughs> you know, hell you love me because of it. What, what was the home mountain growing up or were you kind of skiing about the same amount of time at a couple of places or uh luckily for us we you know we grew up in kind of the i-70 corridor yep. um so definitely grew up beginning starting at loveland um uh, moved on on to copper for a while and winter park is kind of where we call home these days you know um but yeah love all like there's just so much good skiing in this area you know, with all those different mountains that are there. There's a lot of mountains to choose from, you know. But yeah, Logan's right. I mean, we, we ski a lot of Winter Park. We ski a lot of Copper these days and and hop over to VL and Beaver Creek every now and then. Um, and love a lot of the Epic Hills as well. But generally, we're 
were kind of the icon skiers these years, icon skiers. The last few years. And that definitely goes for like the mountains, you know, then, but backcountry is a big part of what we've done in the past, you know? So Rocky Mountain National Park is a yeah. really good spot that we love as a kind of a stomping grounds, yeah. birthed pass. Um, my, my father was actually, it used to be a mountain. I'm not sure if a lot of people know that, but birthed pass was a ski mountain for a long time. You know, so there was two lifts on both sides if you get at the top there. And he was the head avalanche coordinator huh. in the late 70s, 80s. Yeah. Why, do I, not, why do I have you guys 80s. on? Where's your dad? <laughs> He's the <laughs> really cool one. I right? got no the shit. like wrong <laughs> dude on this one. thing. Um, <laughs> wow. <All right. laughs> yeah. No, uh, that's cool. I I did not know that. So I, I'm, I can't believe I didn't know that that used to be a ski area so wow had to talk to you two to learn yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> um it'd be cool if those lists are still there it would yeah, be, it would be, would really be cool yeah. if they are or you think they are no i wish they were still i wish it was still there it'd be cool um also do you know i've never skied winter park not one time ever you should ski winter park I mean, we it's talked about great. you guys got to get Mer- out to CB, but I might need to come check out some of your. We can do a little bit too. of both. Yeah, yeah. Winter Park, Winter Park's a sweet little hill. Um, it's small. They, it's, it's. I think it's, it's time that Altera puts some money into it. Oh. In my opinion, I think they, it's, it's time to expand the hill. Okay. Um, they've outgrown it for how many people are now going to Winter Park, so. Little expansion push would be awesome from the bins. Okay. But, um, but it's a great hill. I mean, it has everything. I mean, it has bumps for days. It has, it has groomers. It has open bowls. It has chutes, steeps, glades, cliffs, whatever you kind of want to ski, you can find it. Hmm. It's pretty sick, actually. It's a good little hill. Okay. Well, maybe but it's small. Okay. I mean, I don't. I heard size doesn't matter. <laughs> so, Great introduction. Yeah. Um, this is 10 inches. <laughs> moving on. Okay, so Boone Mountain Sports, been there since 1985. Y'all have been running it for the last 15 years. And give up just a quick, talk about a couple of the services, and then we're going to like dive into sort of our primary topics of the day here. Um, so you serve kombucha. I know this. Yeah. So, so Boone's kind of like, as you saw, it's kind of like a complex, Yeah. you know, yeah. we're slowly taking over this the whole world. 1970s building, a super funky building. So uh, Logan and I, when we took over, yeah, about 15 years ago, uh, about 10 years ago, we built a brewery upstairs, located upstairs. So we have the ski shop down below, which obviously we do a bunch of clothing, everything with hard goods, ski, snowboard, um, ski tuning services and rental services. And then upstairs, you have a full-fledged restaurant slash uh, microbrewery, which is really good. And then down the hallway, we built our COVID project was our like a uh, boot fitting cafe, which has now morphed into like a boot fitting kombucha bar. So hippie. So amazing. So some uh, boots and booch <laughs> is and um, on order at this point. And, um, 
And it's uh, and then on on the third floor, our sister runs a private Pilates studio. So it's this kind of cool little complex that you can spend all day in and be entertained the entire time. And those are a few of like the services slash amenities around mm-hmm. if you come to the location, which is in Evergreen, Colorado, which yeah. is about thirty minutes west of Denver, kind of nestled in the foothills. Yeah, and that's and a little bit about as the, the as the shop. Um, what we kind of specialize in is uh, boot fitting and ski tuning and getting people all in the right gear. You know, um, I think that's a pretty big passion of ours is, you know, keeping the, um, the industry going, um, that goes with kids, you know, kids are kind of everything. So we have a really, really good, uh, rental program, season rental program, um, that definitely rivals anyone else in the front range when it comes to uh, like what we offer, um, evergreen, we're very fortunate, um, that we have a really good ski community up here. So we're, you know, there are instances where like people will come in and you know they'll rent like three different style skis you know like your front side carving ski your all mountain um style ski and then your powder ski for their kids you know um and we were able to kind of offer that sort of stuff um but family friendly um is kind of like where we we strive and i think that's where we excel at yeah communities are our are, are driving force um yeah. it's definitely what keeps us going and we recognize that for sure and say just a little bit about that, because like, I don't know, a lot of shops can talk about community or whatever, but like talk about a couple of the things you guys are doing beyond like the rental program on the community front, because you do some fun stuff. <laughs> we run a music festival. Yeah, there's yeah. that. Um, <laughs> for the community. That's cool. Logan took that over l- last year. Um, it's called Hopstrops, and that's a nonprofit that is... Uh, kind of focuses its time and energy into local art uh, music related projects in the community. And then, I mean, we started a whole education program for kids uh, called the Bad Boon Adventure Club, which was like an after school education program up at Echo Mountain, which is only like 20 minutes away from yeah. the shop. And that was a cool, that was a really cool endeavor. Say a bit more about that, Riley. And like, cause I know, you're really passionate about that. We spend a lot of time on various podcasts talking about the importance of kind of bringing the next generation in. And um, can you just say a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the next generation. <laughs> they're, they're the ones that are going to keep the sport going. Yeah. going. So um, if we don't get them excited, then our, we're in a failing industry. So um, we've, we find it incredibly important uh, to get them excited and most importantly, just to feel comfortable outside kind of away from screens. Yep. Um, you know, it's such a big part of their lives at this point, especially after COVID now that a lot of their education is so centered around screens. Huh. So yeah, we spent, um, it was anything from like how to put your boots on or how to pack a bag a ski bag to go skiing with your friends. Like we all grew up in these race programs where it's, you know, you're just running gates from nine to three or fuck seven to seven to three setting gates. Um, and, or you're skiing big mountain lines and, or you're just skiing bumps all day, uh, you know, and it's just like ski, 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 ski. It's never like the fun aspect of skiing, (laughs) which is like, I don't know, like, 
Like, when did you learn to like, when did someone teach you how to put your boot on besides like your parents, you know, like, and feel good doing it, you know, and be comfortable with friends going out with your friends when you're that age to be like, I'm going to put my boots on by myself and feel comfortable doing it. And then knowing that you have all the appropriate layers in your bag, like you, you packed your bag yourself. So, you know, you have everything. And, you know, if you, when is it time to get like warm? Right. That was a big part of it. It was like echo is cold. It's a cold little hill. Wind rips through that hill. It's right on the backside of Mount Evans or Mount Blue Sky. And um, so wind just rips it apart. And so we'd get these little kids freezing, you know, mm-hmm. it was killer. It was like, here's how you like calm yourself outside when it's really cold. And then here's when you want to go inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I love that because I think, I think as an industry, it's easy to start just forgetting all that stuff. Like, and I love, you said the exact same thing when, when I was out at the shop with you about a lot of time, we're just teaching kids how to be warm or like when to go in. And I love that stuff because that's, (laughs) that's actually the stuff. If, if those things aren't in place, it's not going to matter if you line the people up with the best fitting ski boot of all time and have the exact right ski for them. Like we've missed some basics and uh, I, I love that you guys are working with kids to teach them all the other parts of this that matter a lot and, and probably do really influence like a kid's willingness to be outside and enjoy being outside. And we got we to gotta remember those things are actually critical. You know, we like to dork out about all the gear and technique and all that stuff, but we got some critical stuff we need to keep in mind too. No, and it's, it was really fun to see those kids grow in that regard, you know. Um, and as you know, be, someone who's or the the shop as we do so many different rentals um, for families, you know, that's the other thing too is also for the parents to have like to allow their kids to become more autonomous mm-hmm. allows them to have to enjoy it too because I think you know like we were talking about we can you can we can dive into like the gear and how cool it is and all this other stuff. Um, but I think there is a little bit of loss in the, um, you know, the family part of skiing in that a little bit, you know, where that's the culture, right? That's the culture of it. And like family being out there, it's not all about the best line or the best day and the best pal line all the time, you know, but watching your little kid carve for the first time Mm -hmm. might be one of the best feelings ever, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, you know, so there's like the small little victories that you can have, um, but just continue to get your kid outside. And if they can, you know, get their skis on and pack their bag where you're not forgetting gloves and pants and sh- and everything that they need for the hill, because it's an endeavor, you know, to do that. So to make that as easy as possible so you can spend more time on the hill and I think is going to keep keep that passion going for kiddos. And Well, it gets parent it gets parents stoked too yeah that that was like that was what we saw i was like because if you did the program you got three skis you know kind of what logan was attesting to so if these kids signed up for the program they got a carving ski and all mountain ski and a pow ski that was just that just came with the program and um and so these parents would come in and be like i we don't need three skis and it's like "Mm, yeah you do (laughs) and then by the end of the season the parents were coming in and buying three pairs of skis for themselves (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is just like, because then they would come up and we would hook the parents up while we were teaching the kids. So we'd have reps come up and do a demo day yep. for the parents while we're 
out with their kids and get the parents out on new stuff. And uh, it, it, it was a really cool program. Um, COVID shut yeah. that one down, but we're going to revive it because we have, we just roped our oldest sister in this year. Who's a, who's going to help us uh, facilitate just because we're growing right now. Logan and I are pretty busy running a couple businesses. And so it's nice to have that third wheel. Yeah. To help us out with some of this <laughs> other stuff. Yeah. Give us a fourth wheel. Love it. Yeah, man. So that's a little bit about like the shop. Um, just a brief, just a brief synopsis, but, but yeah. The, and then tuning, we, we kind of, we get deep into tuning, which, okay. We're going to get deep into tuning here. That's going to be one yeah. of our main things we, I want to talk to you guys about. Okay. But before we get there, what are a few of the biggest mistakes that you see skiers making when they come into your shop? From a purchasing level? Up to you. I guess immediately I go to the purchasing level, right? So like if I, if I, and I, uh, I'll initially start with Riley, maybe we can go back and forth a little bit, but the first one I'm going to say is definitely with boots. I think boots are a major crucial element to having a good day. Um, on the hill, along with making sure your compatibility with your boot and your ski is correct. Um, so I think a, a big mistake that I constantly are always fixing is, you know, a boot fit by a professional, you know, not buying online, going to someone who knows and then some can measure a foot. That is something that I see constantly in people getting fit in too big of boots, the wrong boot, buying off of a concept of, um, this is the best boot out here, but it, it doesn't be fit your, your foot. foot. Yeah. You know, and so I'd say my first off is, you know, not being fit by a professional Yeah, on the boot, on the boot realm. Yeah. Yep. You can't buy a boot online. You have to go get it fit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's just like a, that's a no brainer. Yeah. It's funny. One of my best friends called me a couple of days ago and he's like, Hey, my girlfriend is getting into touring. She's a really good athlete. What boots should she get? And I was like, I have no idea. But these are, are the boot fitters we, you know, trust in your area. Go talk to them, give them the right information. And like, that is the honest answer to the question, right? Um, totally. Now, if I know if it's a friend, if it's a good friend and I know they are a 27.5 low volume foot and I know how they ski and the rest, then I can come in and say, these are some things worth checking out and trying out. Totally. But yeah, yeah. I think continuing to get people um even if you know we say we start every one of our boot reviews on blister like read this you know you might get a sense if this sounds like a boot that's interesting for you or maybe you read the review and it rules out the boot for you just go into go find your trusted boot fitter and figure it out with them like that's how we start every boot review and i have a feeling we're gonna still be giving this advice till like the end of time maybe <laughs> definitely you know <laughs> But, sure. but it's still yeah. worth giving till the end of time. Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they still need to go to a boot fitter. Yeah. Even if they buy it online, yeah. they have to go get it fit unless yeah. they have the, the correct machinery and tools yeah. to, to, you know, mold the footbed, cast the foot, yeah. capture it in subtailored neutral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a, it's still an endeavor. Like, you have well, to no matter, like, just to, like to, to go off of what you're just saying there, Riley, a little bit is like, you know, for, 
you know, yes, I know you have this, this foot, you know, you ski in this, in this boot or like we're, we've been skiing together. These are some great options for you. Yeah, absolutely. You'd be like, Hey, go check those out, try them on, you know, but there's still going to be idiosyncrasies within the foot. Yeah. That's going to be a better fit by a professional period. Yeah. So like, I mean, ultimately that's definitely one thing I'd say as a mistake for sure is just go fit by a professional. Talk about what type of skier you are, where you're skiing on the mountain, what type of ski you're on. And those are all crucial things to make sure that you get in the right boot to make your day that much better, you know? So that's one. Let, and then let me, I would, I would go as far as to say, oh yeah, go on. Let me ask, stay on the boot thing for just a sec. I don't know. You can just, we can do this real quick and just be like, can't generalize this way. We don't need to waste time on it, but I'm curious if you guys spend more time trying to get skiers to move up in terms of the flex of a boot or more time mm. trying to talk people into going with a softer boot. Oh, I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. That's, I think that's it's the a- boring answer I thought you'd say, Riley. Just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously we'd love to see people increase their flex pattern, but it's not appropriate for everyone's like yeah. physique. Yeah. Um, uh, their stature, their skiing ability. I mean, you do have to take some other things into account. Now, with that being said, we do think that um, flex indexes vary greatly between companies, right? Like a Nordica 120 is a completely different flex than an Atomic 120 is a completely different flex than a Lang 120, right? So there are, if you need a softer boot, or we could say K2 too. Like mm-hmm. if you want to, if, if, you know, if you're like looking for a softer boot, but still a good skier, then you could start talking about what companies could you be looking at for a little bit softer plastic without necessarily downgrading to uh, like a softer flex index of like a 100, for instance, for men more specifically and for women but um so there's there's that conversation of like different companies produce different uh stiffnesses of plastics at the same flex index because there isn't a standard there's no standard when it comes to flex index and so generally like if we see someone trying to push a 120 that's getting plugged in it we might go to like a softer 120 Mm -hmm. right but it's all it's all about the foot shape and the ankle shape and the last and the instep height and so it's still appropriate but but as far as flex pattern goes i mean obviously cert, certain flex indexes turn skis more effectively and efficiently than softer flex patterns do right so like anything that's below 100 for men it's just not going to turn a ski very fast it's just not you know, you're going to flex through that thing really quickly and you're going to spend way too much energy trying to turn your ski, you know, and same with women. This is one of the things, by the way, we talked about when I was in your shop and you just said like, we, we carry maybe one or two models of 90 flex boots, I, bl- I believe, or you carry none. For men? Yeah, we carry one or two. Yeah. One or two across, men, so yeah, men and ca- women, but maybe like men's models, none. Uh, no, um, we carry one model, model, one model, yeah, um, which is going to be more of that kind of park, 
park style boot, uh-huh. a little more flex for the reasons for, you know, getting into the park, spinning, buttering, those sort of things where a stiffer boot isn't necessary for that sort of style skiing. Um, ish. So, yeah, ish. Well, I mean, but in that... <laughs> Now yeah. these guys, now these yeah. kids are going back to CSs, you know, like yeah. a lot of these park skiers are getting back into race boots, you know, they're so realizing it's quicker, that they it's quicker will, edge to edge, it's quicker you know? edge yeah. to edge, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, but to kind of, ke- to go off of what kind of Riley was talking about and kind of answer your question a little bit out of our shop, you know, we want performance out of the boot and to get that performance in terms of the type of ski that you're skiing on a stipper flex boot, um, has in my in my experience has always been better for all mountain skiing you know and like to go softer really comes down into a little bit of like a little bit more of how what your weight is and then a little bit how you're flexing through your shins and if you're having shin like um pain for example like we all can talk about like the lang bang situation where you're actually just getting stuck on that plastic and that's what kind of like gave light to hold the rec, the reckly flex on idea, right? And the Dabello concept of that, um, um, cabrio style boot, right? To have a little more progressive flex. And so you're no longer hitting that plastic as you're flexing through. Um, but these, um, these boots these days, you know, they're pretty forgiving in comparison to what they were back, well, like, you know, in the Technica TNT days. You know, like uh, plastics are more malleable. They're a little bit more flexy. You're not flexing through it and you're not s- just hitting plastic. You're actually going to be bellowing the bottom of the boot, you know, before anything else, before it starts s- smacking your shin. Um, and when you start bellowing it out, then you're losing all energy into the boot and it's not going to your ski. So if you, if you're over flexing a boot, you're just wasting energy when it comes to like what you could be doing on your ski turn and tiring out your legs. Um, so from our perspective, a little bit stiffer boot these days, um, in that 120, 130 flex can hit a lot of skiers, mm-hmm. you know, um, all depending on kind of your weight profile mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, yep. and how you flex the boot. You know, I've seen people who weigh nothing can flex right through a boot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, you know, people who don't know, like they're sitting, you know, standing up and flexing at the hips, looking like they're taking a shit rather than flexing <laughs> a boot. So. Uh, but flex pattern is very interesting though. Cause like what Riley was uh, talking about a little bit, it, the, there is no true index <laughs> and that's somewhat of an issue when you're talking about, it, especially where there's the price points in boots today, Yeah, you know, where your 100 flex is this much and then your 120 flex is this much. And then your 130 flex is this much. And we're talking about durometer of plastics in association with how much a boot costs. Yeah, and it's a weird so problem. it's like it's it's an interesting com- it's an interesting conversation on the boot you know manufacturing world that you know lightweight boots. I mean, Fisher tried to go with this. Remember this, Riley? Yeah, um, it was that it was a couple years the ago. They were like, "Why does it matter?" Yeah. You know, it's the same boot. Like, so you're spending the same amount of money on a hundred flex as you would be a one thirty. You just need this, the appropriate flex. You need the appropriate flex. It was and cool. I, it was a cool concept. They were, it was a good idea. I mean, it didn't really stick. But okay, well, wait a sec. Yeah, is it, it a good idea? Though. Like, should, is it realistic to see the boot landscape moving back to that? And you're shaking your head no, Logan. So, what would, what is the like idea, what, what ideal world should we be living in? I think we just kind of said, it doesn't really make sense. Pick the flex that's appropriate for you. 
why does price have anything to do with that? And yet you both are saying in the real world, you don't think we actually should be, you know, petitioning our senators to try to get this <laughs> flex stated flex free universe or boots cost all the same regardless of flex. I like this question. It would it would be yeah, I mean it would be more on the manufacturing side just because of the bells and whistles you get out of um higher end flexing boots versus softer flexing boots. Like your liner technology is way more sophisticated, your buckle technology is way more sophisticated. You're like um so there's a lot more money that goes into those high end boots, right? And so I think just on the manufacturing side of things, like let's say all of those problems were solved, yeah. right? And manufacturing was just the same exact price for low end and high end. Then it's a conversation that we could have, you know. But I think Logan and I see this from a perspective of manufacturing because we've been fortunate enough to help develop a few, help develop some product mm-hmm. and see the back end of it. And it's more, it's more from the manufacturing side from these companies where it's, it gets really tricky to navigate those waters. But if all of those issues were just, you know, under one umbrella of a certain cost and it costs them the same amount of money to make a 90 flex as it does to make a same as a 130 flex, then yes, on our end, it would be awesome to have, you know, 799, you're just getting the, then we choose the flex for you. Yeah. That'd be cool. But in our shop, we're still going to choose a 120 or 130. Hmm. For most of or the people. A 105 and 115. Okay. You know, for most yeah. of the people. Yeah. For most of the people. You know, like we will, we'll bring in a 90, we'll bring in a 100, but I'm not going to bring in a 110. I am. Um, there's no point. Here's a, here's a sneak peek. I don't think I've ever been in a 90 flex boot in my life. And we're we're thinking of doing a video this year of putting like getting several of our reviewers in 90 flex boots and then just definitely like Ghostski Headwall, you know, um, Ghostski Rambo or something. And I because I don't actually have a I don't know if I'm like, that's fine. It's an easy adjustment or if I'm like, I'm literally going to die right now. <laughs> but that's that's an experiment we might run this uh at some point, I think, do it. I think please that's a do it. That'd please be keep awesome. us in the loop. Okay, we yeah, would love I to watch, hear that. I want you please to do go it. Ski and I want a video. Go, want a video. go ski your new Stokely SR102 at Headwall with a 90 flex, flex like boot. Please, okay, yeah. make it a K2. Well, now make I, it a K290. <laughs> well, given all your enthusiasm and exuberance for this, I now feel like I'm going to get badly injured. <laughs> that's that's what I no, no, these vicious no, smiles. No, 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 you no. can still do it. All right. You it's one of the biggest it. mistakes people make. So why they okay. make it all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go like do a day and then I'm going to look like a, I don't know, Whoa. like a hostage video. <laughs> like everybody, or like somebody that's yeah. been like abducted by an alien. Like, don't ever do this. I, I don't know what I'm going to find, but I we're going to try to pull it off at some point this year. The 90, the, awesome. We're calling it, it's the 90 Flex Challenge. God, I kind of want to join you on that. Well, I yeah. mean, you know where we yeah, live. That's a good reason. We go to CB, Riley. Let's do it. Yeah. The 90 Flex Challenge. 90, we're going for the 90 Flex <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> Our dad started the uh, the CB um, tele free ride competition back in like the 80s. 
I um, seriously should be talking to your dad once again. You need like, to have I, your own one with pops for okay. sure. All right, he's yeah. a he's he kind started, of a Colorado staple. He started yeah. Crested Buttes. Telly, him and his him and his brother brother helped start the whole free ride comp down in CB for Telly Skiers, and um, and his stories of those days down in CB are amazing. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> They're All right. amazing. All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm not about to end this conversation just and just get your dad. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Um, your dad is, and he just keeps elevating in coolness. Like the longer, the, the more I, the, the more I learn. Um, all right. Well, if you guys, oh, yeah, man. if you want to come through for the 90 flex challenge. Dude, we have, we have some great videos of like Vale and him like launching over to Snowcats with this like legend tuner here in evergreen called musser he it's yeah we got some great old eight mil that we should go through it'd be super fun wow anyways we can talk about pops for days okay i gotta rein this back in i we're supposed to be talking about three biggest mistakes let's let's do this quick because i do actually want to get a bit to the the ski tuning stuff which is what we yes. were actually supposed to be. This is how we had a four and a half hour conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I blame the two of you. Um, are there a couple of key things on the mistake side? And um, we talked about boots here. I think we, we did pretty well on that front. Other things you yes. see. I think, I think a common mistake is, Hey, my friend really likes the ski, so I'm going to yeah. get it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it, and that can attest to like trendy buys and, or friends like your friend has a killer ski and it works really well for him. It must work well for yeah. me. You know, we see that a lot mm -hmm. and we have people coming in all the time being like, I heard this ski is awesome. And then you ask them one question and they answer it and you're like, that ski would not be good for you. You know? Um, so I think, I think like trendy buys is a really, is a common mistake in the ski industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and it can be brand related trends or it can be product related trends. Um, but I think, I think that's a pretty common mistake for skiers. Trendy buys. Um, Mm -hmm. Logan, what do you got? Um, um I'm thinking that you can just buy one ski to do it all is a mistake. That's a bit. That's a that's a freaking. I think that's uh, a sin. You know, buying uh, coming in and being like, I want the one ski to do it all is just. I think that we should. That should go forgive, away, and we should have father. Um, Minimum of three pairs of skis. Minimum three. Wow. So do you have at your shop, do you have lots of people coming in and they're like, I want one ski to do everything and it needs to be pretty good at everything? Or like out of 10 customers yes. coming in, how many are trying to do that? The one ski for everything. 80%. Eight. Okay. So yeah. you hate 80% yeah, of your I, customers. I, it's... That's... <laughs> Riley? Hate's a strong all, word. Hate's a strong word, sinners. Jonathan. I didn't say hate. They're, they're just sinners. Don't, ha don't, don't hate the sinner, just hate the sin, that kind of thing? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I've heard of, I've heard of other theologians who hold that 
Well, that view. <laughs> that was actually no, the most. Just, that was like the most outraged I've ever seen you, Riley. <laughs> like to you, that was that was as incensed as I've ever seen you. Yeah. Well, so we uh, we were on the um, the Maverick project for Atomic, mm-hmm. and if you look up the video, I'm the one in yellow, right in the in the video for their whatever, and they cut my interview because because they were like, you have to say that it's a one ski quiver. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> it's not. It, it's not a one ski quiver. It's just, it, it's a great ski that does a lot of stuff pretty well. Mm-hmm. Or if not a one ski quiver. Yeah. We've, we've, and they, so they, they we've cut re- me out. We've of really the, hit a so, nerve. We've gone directly to to Riley's like most most uh, heartfelt religious sensibility. We found it right here in this podcast. All right, yeah. I mean, tell me when you find a unicorn, and like maybe I'll I'll be shown the light, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I it it just um I think there's a lot of skis that do a lot of things yeah. pretty well. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um. No, and and I think that you can't have something that does that. Like we even t- discussed it earlier in the podcast a little bit of like the ski that can kind of do everything okay, yeah. you know. And that's what there is out there. You yeah. know, everything like you're gonna get that one ski. You're gonna you're gonna get okay performance doing this, okay performance doing that. Um, but that's all gonna be okay, which is fine, you know. But once you start to get specific, then like it really starts to open up. You know, in terms of why skis are built this way when they're 84 at the waist and why they're built this way when they're 98 at the waist and why they're built this way when they're 120 at the waist, you know, and like they all have their character that just makes whatever that condition you're skiing that much more fun. For sure. And better. I mean, that's kind of why we instill it in the kids when they're young, you know, it's like, here, here's three skis. Yeah. You're going to use them all. Mm-hmm. And they come back and they're like, we used them all. It's kind of like, it kind of goes into a little bit of play. Go on. What are you going to say? I was going to say, it's kind of like how most parents like introduce their kids to a spoon, a fork and a knife. And it's like all three <laughs> come in handy. Awesome. Oh shit. That's I new. Love Did you just make that up? Man, no, that's good. It's, I, it's that's been awesome. a thing of mine for a bit, but yeah, feel free to, feel free to use that. Like we, I will. we <laughs> use different utensils. Like, like you can eat a steak with a spoon, but it's a different experience. <laughs> and it turns out knives and forks are pretty useful. So yeah, yeah. There you go. You're welcome. Is, You're welcome. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, this is we did, I needed that one. So yeah, you just tell I mean, those, tell your parent this is the spoon, this is the knife, this is the fork, and then they'll be like, oh. yes. Yeah, this one, this fork's so universal. This spoon's somewhat universal. This knife is, you know. Yeah. This is your spork. This is your spork. Now we're Qu- getting into the one ski, dude. I don't want to do that. No, we're not. We don't like one skis. <laughs> no sporks. No spork skis. We're something like 55 minutes in to the conversation when we were. I thought we'd be talking about like really going into the weeds about <laughs> ski tuning, maybe like 15 oh, yeah. to 20 minutes in. So this is what we're going to do. I tried. I tried to get us in. No, you you didn't. I don't think you did. You were like, let's talk more general about stuff. And then I don't know what happened. And then you started talking about your dad. And I'm like, that guy sounds cool. 
<laughs> so this is what we're going to do. You guys care a lot about ski tuning. When I was at your shop, you actually said, you're like, I know that a good number of brands will send skis to Boone Mountain Sports before they then send them on to Blister, right? For testing and yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> Logan and I worked our entire lives for the machine that we currently have in the in the store. And it's it's the Wintersteiger Mercury. And this machine is the machine that the US ski team is using um, hmm. for most of their high-end race tunes. There is also another Wintersteiger. There's a couple Wintersteiger race machines at this point, but this was like this is like kind of cream of the crop machinery when it comes to ski tuning. And we got it um because it also tunes snowboards. Um, and it's not just for ski tunes. So we definitely geek out when it comes to ski tuning for different types of snow, different types of skis, and um, different times of year, different times of day. And we break it down um, into different areas, such as like your structures and your base bevels and your side edge bevels and your waxes and your different wax application techniques and your different waxes that you're utilizing in conjunction with structures. Right. And, um, and looks, I, I think that's like a 50,000 foot view of, of what we have in the back shop. I mean, obviously, you know, we have our grind, right. We have the winter shaggy mercury. We have a wax future. We that's have a 50,000. That's a 50,000 foot view on like everything that you could be doing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. on, what you can do to the base. But if you think about a ski, I think a lot of the questions a lot of people are wondering is like, what does tuning do for you? How often should I tune? And is it important? Right. And the one, and the short answer is fuck. Yeah. It's important. You know, do you like sliding on snow? Do you not like getting nicks and scratches and base welds on your ski? Then, you know, up the upkeep of your ski base is going to be crucial. You know, um, Jonathan, you're in CB where it's uh, like riddled with rocks, you know, and the one thing about tuning and waxing on a regular basis is that's going to harden your base and it's going to make it a better, more indestructible piece of, of machinery, material, if you will. Yeah. material. Um, and so, you know, like if you if you're the basic basic it out, right? You have your base material, your edge, your base edge and your side edge. Those are things that constantly are getting used and you are sliding down ice and you're carving and you're hitting random things and there's bushes and rocks and pebbles and everything in between. Um, and if you're not waxing, then you're not gliding. And the more you wax, the harder your base will get, period. So keep waxing. If you can't, if you don't have access to edge, um, edge tuning at all, wax, wax, wax is going to help with your base. Um, your your bevels on your base edge and your side edge, the more nicks you get. And if you do not clean those, the more drastic those edges will become round. And then when you finally go in to get tuned, then you're going to grind half your life away to get your edge back to where it needs to be. So the longer sure. you wait to get tuned, the, the more material that you're going to be taking off and the less long you're going to have that ski for. So, you know, to upkeep, to keep your skis in good running condition, you want to, you don't want to grind very often, you know, and yeah. you can do that by tuning your edge more, 
right? So the more you go in, the better off your edges can be. And the machine that Riley and I use, we use a ceramic edge, which takes off 30% less than a, than a typical um, belt will, or like a sand grit belt, you know? So, and it's all with machines. So it comes in really smooth and it cuts it really clean. Um, so just like on a quick level of things, if you're skiing early season, and you really like a nice edge, it's going to be harder snow. Get your skis tuned every four times you go skiing, or at least get an edge done, cleaned up and sharpened. And then T-bird. you should probably, and you should probably be waxing every time you go skiing. Yes. It's like the funnest thing to do. Go in your garage, have a beer, wax your skis. You know, it's like, it's one of those pastimes that I feel that. Well, and now there's different doing. waxes that you can just like, you can spray on. If yeah. you're lazy, if, if you just don't want to do it, this is spray, spray on wax. Literally. That's all you need to do. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's just wax but your skis. The, but it doesn't treat, but that doesn't treat the base though. No. Like a, like a hot wax would. No, know? it wouldn't. And it doesn't. But, but I'm just well, saying, if you're lazy, you do it that way. <laughs> There's a lot of lazy people. And you we know? can go like, can go off and go nerdy and go crazy with how cool different structures are and what waxes work best during this time of year. If there's water content here or there and, uh, you know, or what's best for hard snow and racing and different things along that application. But like tuning is crucial to the, the ski ability of your, of your skis, making sure that you're not sliding when it's hard pack out there. Make sure you're gliding when you want to be gliding on cat tracks because they're all over every single mountain. And, um, it, and the next thing is protect your base and make it as hard as possible. So when like you're hitting those pebbles and small rocks and things like that, it doesn't hurt it, mm-hmm. you know? So keep that up. God, I'm tempted here. I'm going to ask a question, but you can then blow me off and go back to whatever <laughs> you want to talk about in your time. But like, what about, cause this is a thing in certainly every mountain town the kind of big mountain slash free ride skiers who are like, yeah, I don't ever tune my skis ever. And frankly, it's often a lot of really good skiers, like really good skiers. So this is, you can wave me off on this question and go back to whatever you want to talk about, but do you have any special message to them about, or is it kind of what you said about, yo, it's a durability, it's a maintenance thing. Let's protect these skis you have and maybe love what's anything you want to say to that audience because some of them are listening yes no absolutely um when you're that good of a skier you can ski on a two by four doesn't matter i think it's it, the one thing that i'm going to associate a, good, a great story with is last year we did a uh, this uh, a red bull competition with bobby brown at winter park it's called yeah. cascade hmm. you should check it out it's pretty cool um and this is full of all those uh, all bobby brown's Boys, I mean, these kids are just going big, big mountain, big part. I mean, they're just hucking themselves and they have the most broken skis (laughs) I have ever seen. I mean, like riddled with broken edges, like have not waxed in however long. And we had uh, this really weird spring late foot of snow out there. And these guys were about to hit, you know, 60 foot booters and just massive shit, you know? And so it slowed the snow up. So it slowed it down like crazy. And, but these guys were in a competition huh. and, um, a few of them, and we were up there tuning for these guys. And, uh, 
you know, the we there was like six. There's probably twelve riders, and six of them, or yeah, I think it's like twelve, twelve or thirteen or something like that. Six of them got tuned, mm-hmm. and the six ones that tuned, one mid- podiumed. <laughs> <laughs> they the one they were, one guy one guy got it done, and he goes Blake Blake Wilson Blake Wilson that, yeah. He goes, he, he's like we we wax all up, put them together, and uh, he launches, and we're all watching at the very top, and we're like all looking we're at on him, course. I was at the, I was at the feature because uh-huh. I was, and I was down below because I just tuned his ski, and we're all like up at the big Red Bull thing looking at the television, and he just hucks this huge double back, and like didn't practice this shit, and he gets to the top after the run, he's like, yeah, I don't know what it was. I was just going so fast that that's exactly what <laughs> I, I had I to could double do. it out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, you guys don't have to tune, but. It's, it's better so, if you do. It's just so much better. Like you're just gonna have a better time. It's you're gonna have more fun. You're gonna go faster. You're gonna be able to hit bigger features, and with less with less like ramp. You know, you can get going faster. It's better. Yeah. So no. Um, I mean, as far as edges go, you know, that's another conversation. Is like edges. A lot of park skiers like their edges doled out, yeah. but also a lot of parks like um, park. Kits, you know, um, half pipe kits. I mean, those, you know, they like their edges as sharp as blades, you know, yeah, so man, they like to blade degrees, them out. Man. And then it's two different yeah, skis. Disciplines, Look, yeah. just yeah. within the park world, like, yeah. I mean, like, you have quivers of skis just in that one discipline. And so, uh, Big they, and they tune their skis completely different based on what their discipline is, you yeah. know, or what they're competing for. And so, uh, it's just, you know, Regardless, I think Logan hit the nail on the head. Just wax at bare minimum. Just wax your skis all the time. But if you want to get geeky with it, we can get really geeky with it. And we love getting really geeky with it because we come from a race background, mm-hmm. you know. So we talk a lot about shedding water content and different structures for different times of year and uh, different waxes. And that's that's a big passion of Logan and I. I mean, we we spent hours and hour. We spent years in that back shop together tuning mm-hmm. and testing tunes, mm-hmm. and then and then we started tuning for brands. And so, you know, if you read anything from Blister about uh, Solomon Faction Fisher Alon, uh, who else logs Atomic? I mean, generally, a lot of those guys are bringing their skis here to the shop and we're tuning them and prepping them for your magazine tests. Hmm. And then, and that levels the playing field from a testing perspective, mm-hmm. you know, cause you could get something out of the wrapper from Blizzard and get something out of the wrapper from atomic. And it's two completely different tunes. Yeah. Whereas like for us, we just, we try to pitch it. So it's like, let's level the playing field. So it's, it's not a tuning issue whatsoever. Yep. This is, this is strictly we're testing skis and it's because sometimes testing skis versus testing a tune, it can be a little bit difficult to decipher what's what. Yeah. Hey, speak, speak to that issue just in your own experience with what you see at the shop. There's an ongoing question out there about skiing something fresh out of the wrapper 
right? You get a brand new ski. You're like, sick, I got a brand new ski. You mount it up, you go ski. Thoughts on just in terms of what you guys see like in the real world, how many skis you see where the tunes are off or is it like, is it gotten better these days in terms of consistency? Has it gotten worse? Is it all over the place? What is, what's your, what do you actually see? Whew, that varies. Well, um, I mean, I think it goes with <laughs> the, the past. Yeah. I mean, we can go crazy into the past. There are some serious issues. Um, with, I, I guess we don't have to go into brands in terms of that aspect of things, but in terms of what we're seeing today, out of the wrapper is pretty good. Like, um, you know, out of the brands that we sell, the brands that we, that we're, um, a part of that we tune quite a bit of, they are coming out pretty true, you know, between one and one on your side, one and two, depending on the type of model it is. Um, some of them are coming with, with structures, you know, which we would prefer. Um, and then, uh, and some brands do better than others, but yep. overall, Kind of just an encompassing concept. Out of the wrapper is pretty good, um, except, except for wax. Except for you wax, have to, none of them wax. are waxed. None, none of them are waxed. So or detuned, you know, none of them are detuned or, or waxed. Yep. But overall, skiing pretty good out of the package. Okay, I think that's a good question, though. I mean, I think oh, I think overall, there's there's um, everyone's doing a pretty good job. Um, some are better than others, especially with like consistency with with edge base edge bevels in specific. Those yeah. can vary quite a bit. So some skis are are And it really kinda of depends high. if you're if you're finishing with like a you know ceramic disc or a belt. And that's really yep. kinda what it comes down to. Huh. Ceram finishing whether you're finishing with say it again, Logan? A ceramic disc or a sans grit belt. Right. Or a ceramic belt, really. And yeah. which do we prefer? <laughs> ceramic disc. <laughs> it, yeah, and, and it ceramic depends on disc. if you're like a green guy or a blue guy, a Wintersteiger yeah. guy or a, or a Montana guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're a Montana really? guy, right, you're going to yeah. see a belt, but um, Wintersteiger disc all day long. Yep. Yeah, I would too. Your team Wintersteiger. All right. <laughs> when, when people sometimes will ask me, uh, it's a different question, but like, They'll be like, what ski company's making really good skis these days? And this is feels a little bit related to the like, what ski brand is putting really good tunes on their skis before sending them out? And what I frankly always say is everybody's capable of screwing up a ski. I'm like, there we don't actually look at one brand and think, to go back to the utensils analogy, they're making the best fork out there and the best spoon and the best ladle and the best knife. Like, you know, like, um, and same with like breweries for that matter, right? Like how many breweries would you say are absolutely crushing it on every, every, you know, type, type of beer they're making. And so I wonder a bit, like, I'm sure speaking in generalizations, it sounds like from what you guys are saying, and you already said brands are doing a pretty good job. But even whatever you would name as like these guys were kind of consistently really impressed, something can go wrong in there, right? It's just, I think, the nature of the equipment, no? You know, this equipment has gotten pretty consistent. I would say there's one brand that stands out with Out of the Wrapper, you know, and that's that's Stokely. I think they have the cleanest 
out of wrapper structure. And I really love their, they vary their base, their edge profile, edge beveling, um, edge bevels, uh, based on the type of ski significantly. And they're down to the like one hundredth of a, of a degree when it comes to this stuff. So it's Stokely, in my opinion, is like they're killing it. And those are blue guys. Those guys are hmm. finishing out on a Montana. Hmm. You those know. are blue guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but um, in terms of setting the bar and consistency for years. Yeah. It's it's Stokely. Um, you know, everyone else, you're not really sure what you're going to get every yeah. year. Um, yeah. Every year, it's slightly something different. Um, but when you when you when you get a ski out of the wrapper from Stokely, it's it's pretty perfect. Hmm. Um, like okay, you know, awesome it will. It will it like will I don't range. touch it. No. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't okay. touch my I don't Slight touch little gummy on the tip and tail and it's out the door. If that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Just wax it. it. Just wax it. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, do you do you it. have one or two favorite wax products that you, for somebody that you're selling at the shop or something, and you're like, take this home, please put, you know, go, I guess Logan is team hot wax. Lazy Riley is spring <laughs> waxes on his skis or something. Um, do you, do you, are you finding like clear differences, clear preferences in terms of let's not do on this one. Let's not dork out too hard. Let's say we're talking about more of like a universal kind of all temperature wax, right? Like we're not going down like, well, we're talking about, you know, freezing temperature, yada, yada. Like, Hey man, I'm going to go ski and Actually, I'm probably not going to wax every single day, but like, you know, maybe if I'm skiing a weekend or a Friday, a Saturday, Sunday, like, like yeah. next time around, Riley's making the spray again to all you lazy <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, That's how you wax every day. Yeah. I mean, what are, <laughs> or are you like, nah, if you're like putting something on, are we in the like, just there's a big difference between not putting anything and you're in a way better league if you're just putting something on. Or have you found certain products that you've used that you particularly like? Logan, you're nodding vigorously. You speak. Yes. No, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head that you can use. If you're using something, you're doing something good for your base, period. Um, but product-wise, you know, Holman Cole, beta, beta red or blue. I'll say it again, Holman Cole. It's a great, I think it's a Swedish company. They do a great wax, um, good price that we utilize. And it's their beta, red or blue. Um, Swix is way up there, um, and their pH six and seven, um, yeah. you know, pH six and seven are two really good hard waxes that you can utilize and they're pretty ready available everywhere. Um, then obviously we're going down that awesome road of like what you can do, but those are two great, just, you have your all temp put out there. They hydrate well, they're hard waxes. They're going to glide. Well, doesn't matter what the condition is. Those two are fantastic. <laughs> You don't have to multi-layer no, with the multi -layer them. You can just like, you can good. slap a, a beta red on and it's going to, it's going to glide pretty decently well in most conditions. So, it is Holman a colder Cole. wax. Yeah. You Holman know, Holman Cole number one, and then you got Swix number two, and then I'll, I'll throw it out there just because everyone knows of Pearl and Pearl is a great wax too. 
to do. Pearl's a great wax. It's gotten a little bit different. It's 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 changed a little bit over oh, the Riley years. Riley doesn't it, like it. It hydrates Logan. really well. It hydrates really. I knew well. it wasn't going to. And as soon as I said it, <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Use, we don't. Use, but I love those. Like it, it's we, a solid company, and they're doing some really great stuff with their brand. And like a big shout out to Pearl because like we've used their wax for years. But yeah, um, as far as Glide goes, there's some other products out there that might be a little bit more effective these days. Okay. Yeah. So you want to get nerdy into wax? I'm definitely all about that and then and then we get in like the application of the wax and when we use the wax so yeah, yeah. we can go there if we want <laughs> yeah layerings of wax and wind yeah. wax this type of wax versus this type of wax but you're not proposing that and then when, that. And then you're, when you're getting you're, onto like you're not proposing no. that for like recreational skiers going out to ski a weekend or friday saturday sunday like yeah if they want, if they want to do something cool, then like a beta red with like a Swix CH overcoat, you know, that's like a super light glide on top of your hydration layer, you know, something um, for like some of the beginning of the day. If if you want to do well. two layers of wax, you know, you do your main hydration layer, which is just like. And that beta will do both hydration and a little bit of glide. And then if you want to like get your ultimate performance, then put a glide layer on, mm-hmm. you know, this is and what that's I- when you can spray. That's when spraying is actually really cool because it's quick and super effective. This is what uh, Riley does. Like, this is what Riley does it. at parties. He's like, Oh, Hey, what's up? I'm <laughs> Riley. Oh, cool. Great to meet you, Jeremy. Um, oh, you ski. That's awesome. One layer of wax or two. And then if you're like one, he's like, bro, um, I'm going to go get some more punch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Riley's true. cool test. True. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one or two. <laughs> We're leaving our little beginning of our ski tuning conversation and wax and conversation with you guys at there. But um, before I let you go, we often do this crashes and close calls segment. And I understand that you both have a, you each have a story involving knees. And now I want to hear both of them. So <laughs> um, I don't know, Logan, you go first. What's your knees story? Okay. Well, Currently, I am skiing with no ACLs in either of my knees. So, that was off of a pretty big cliff at Winter Park, and I blew both of them out at the same time. No. And never got them replaced. And so, I've been skiing for, I think it's been about 10 years since that happened. And uh, I've been skiing continuously every year since. Um, did a lot of rehab with it. And uh, two years ago, I was skiing pretty hard on a new awesome carving ski. And I got just, uh, I mean, I was ripping and the ski just unloaded. And I wasn't quite there. And it one ski just kept going. And my body went the other direction. And I completely pulled my MCL off my bone. 
I didn't tear my MCL I because I had no ACL there to do anything with. So my entire knee shifted and pulled my MCL five millimeters off my bone. And then I was, yeah, I couldn't like click back into my ski. It's the first time that I've had to be taken down in a, in a toboggan. Um, so that was, that was rough. That was rough. So that was a close call that happened. And that's not a close um, call. That's, I didn't, that's, that, that, that's, yeah, a that's a call. That, that, <laughs> that's a call. That was a, you were, that wasn't a close call. That's, that was yeah, there. That's a, um, wait, wait. So, okay. Yeah. And then, then did you have surgeries and you got an ACL, ACLs? Re- no? You're skiing on oh. like Twinkies and Jello. I'm skiing on, I'm skiing on no knees <laughs> right now. <laughs> you could, you could give a little shout out to Stoko Tights yeah. there. Sto- Stoko yeah. Tights, Stoko Tights are pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. If you, yeah. if, if you, if you have knee or if you're in rehab or you have weak knees, so this is a pretty amazing product, hmm. um, which is like, it's like a, it's basically like two built-in knee braces in your compression tights with, with boas, which is a pretty hot topic. Mm-hmm. There's two boas that sit like right above your sit bones and you tighten the Kevlar cabling that wraps the patella and it tightens everything into alignment. It's pretty cool. Hmm. Those things are awesome. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And those things kind of saved me. So I've been skiing that way and i've been skiing pretty pretty good all things considered like, i don't think you should hard, participate in our 90 90 flex challenge ah. I just, <laughs> you, have no, you have nothing holding your your upper your upper leg to I your have lower very leg strong quads jonathan <laughs> quads are like tree trunks dude oh man don't ski behind me um, well, yeah, like this is going to be like a human avalanche coming after me down the mountain. <laughs> Dear Lord. Okay. Um, wow. All right. I, that's wild. That's a good knee one. I'm not going to do my knee one. I, I have another one. Okay. Um, we were skiing with all the atomic boys down at Wolf Creek one Ooh, year. This is a great one. And it was a, it was one of the, Wolf Creek is pretty notorious for very deep snow and yes. it was one of those like 70 inch storms. So it was nipple, like it was nipple deep and it was, if you've ever skied Wolf Creek, it's very pitchy, right? And very steep to flat, steep to flat, mm-hmm. steep to flat, you know? And so it was like, you, you'd get to the flats and we were leapfrogging around each other to, to kind of get to the next pitch and Logan kind of, hopped around my track and I got stuck in the snow and rolled out into his track. And as I was rolling out, my knee kind of got tweaked in real time. So I had to dig my ski out. And you know how we say we're like big proponents of tuning. Mm -hmm. Well, like deep pow is a time when you don't really need a sharp edge for multiple (laughs) reasons. But anyways, I got out, rolled over, Kind of kept on going. Some lady rolled up, was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fucking nipple deep. Like, ski on, you know, and ski down to all the Atomic Boys. They're like, are you all right, dude? I'm like, why is everyone asking me this? This is, they're like, look at your jacket. And I look down and I am soaked in blood, like from like arm completely down to my feet. And I pull back 
I was like, what the fuck? So I pulled back my jacket and I had nicked this vein, my artery, right? So I pulled this back and I'm just spurting blood. And this is the kind of snow that like you get stuck in, you know? So I kind of freak out and I like compress my wrist and hold it up and just take off on everyone. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I'm going to like pass out. Or not, like I have definitely lost a lot of blood. And um and I get down and McCor- like Mike McCory is a dear friend of ours uh, and rep for Atomic Skis. He kind of followed me down that run. Um shout out to him. And he uh so I get down, we finally get a sled for me to go back to the front. I get kind of butterflied up and I meet the boys in for lunch and start having some beers and I'm like, okay, like maybe it's, I don't know. The, the guy was like, yeah, it's not bleeding through yet. Like you're probably okay to chill for a little bit. So go to lunch, have a beer or whatever. And then I'm like, haven't bled through, like, let's go ski. <laughs> it's like 70 inches of snow. So start skiing immediately. Like first, I think I hit one drop and land and look down and just start bleeding out again and um had to meet the boys down in south fork had to take logan's truck down and uh get stitched up so that was a good one man wow. that was a that was a that was a, that was a close one <laughs> wow <laughs> that one involved a lot of spurting blood um but it was why so like wanna... cut through the jacket through the through the jacket, through the glove, through the base layer, through the vein. Like, it, not through the vein, but yeah. nicked the vein. Yeah. So that was an early. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess, folks, the moral of these stories are, uh, in <laughs> Riley's case, you could do the smarter thing, which is just go to, like, urgent care at the bottom of the mountain and <laughs> go, if you, like, with That's what whistle. I did. Well, eventually. Okay, eventually. <laughs> So, so we're like, we're, you know, everybody is about to start skiing, right? Like ski areas in, in the U S or, you know, just opened or a bunch are about to open. So for people who don't have insurance or have high deductibles, this is where we'd like to tell these stories just to remind people that this sport we love, things can happen. And so with our blister plus thing, this injury insurance, We'll leave a note uh, in the show notes of this episode, but take three minutes and just look at what you get from this program because in Riley's case, there wouldn't have been any bill, right? If he had Blister Plus, there'd be no bill. Logan's case, I don't know. We're just like when Logan completely explodes and bursts into flames and like just like a cloud of dust this winter. I don't really know how Blister Plus will work in that case. I'm just now picturing like Avengers Endgame when everybody just like, you know, like did, like blows apart into little granulars. That's what's going to, I think, happen to Logan. And I'm not sure if that's covered, but um, for like, I don't know. Yeah, torn veins or like you blow both ACLs jumping off a cliff, you'd have $25,000 worth of coverage <laughs> uh, of medical expenses if that were to happen to you. So take a look. Um, if it helps you, sign up for it. And if you 
can't be, you know, if I don't know, I'm still stuck on this Logan story, but <laughs> um, it, the ch- bottom line is it probably helps you. There's a reason why everyone at Blister has it. So just check it out. And uh, dear Lord, those were gnarly stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to let you guys go. My last question for both of you. I keep meaning to ask you this and I haven't. What's the story with the Boone Mountain Sports logo? Oof. Yeah. Um, well, the thing about our industry is uh, a lot of times people take it too seriously. Um, our logo is a flying pig with skis. And we can um, give a call out to Cody White for doing the, the work, uh, the graphic design behind the logo, the infamous. But the thing is, is ski industry can be a little bit too serious. And at Boone Mountain Sports, like my brother and I, a fundamental is of our um, passion behind the sport is it's fun. Mm-hmm. We, we live outside, we do outside things, and that's just fun. And we want to keep the sport fun and engaging and inviting and welcoming to new people, yeah. to people who are just getting out into the sport for the first time. And this outdoor industry can be very intimidating um, to approach. And so anything that we can do to make it more approachable, whether it's a logo that they click on, we're doing something there to make them smile. Um, and that's 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 all we want to do. We just want to make people smile. So smiles good, per hour. And good things happen when pigs fly. So yep. that's what I hear. Yep. Gentlemen, this is fun. Another, another, we're like three for three. Like if we think of our Austria whole experience and then hanging out at the shop for five hours uh, a week or two ago, whenever that was. And now this, I, I, I like, uh, I, I like our uh, ratio of fun conversations to, to terrible ones, you know, we're, we're yeah. actually a hundred, we're batting a thousand percent at the moment. So <laughs> Well, hey, keep up the good work in Evergreen. Um, Get all those skis tuned. I hope for their sake, nobody walks in asking for one ski to do everything. And then, (laughs) Riley, I hope at all your holiday parties this year, everybody puts at least two two layers of wax on their skis so so you don't leave immediately uh from the party and uh that's that's those are some of the main things i've learned today so you know thank you for all of that well 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 thanks man we we really appreciate the support and um and we're looking forward to continuing this relationship and and uh stoked to see what you guys are doing man yeah big 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 for sure Jonathan, thank you very much, man. It's been a pleasure for sure. Awesome, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Well, that's it for this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Logan and Riley for yet another really fun conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. Assuming our Gear 30 audience rallies, I'm going to be snowboarding with you in Crested Butte maybe sometime in December, hopefully sometime in December. We'll see how our Gear 30 community responds here. 52 reviews away, folks. Let's do this. Also, kids, for our next Blister Cinematic movie podcast, oh, this is going to be a good one. We're doing Apocalypse Snow. It's one of my favorite ski films that's maybe not really a ski film of all time. J-Bob loves this film. Fun fact... 
It's the first ski film or snowboard film or mono ski film or whatever that J-Bob and I ever watched together. And this Tuesday, we are dropping our episode on Apocalypse Snow. There's going to be either one or two special guests on this. I kind of think the whole thing is going to be mind-blowing. So, pro tip, go watch Apocalypse Snow before this Tuesday, because this one's going to be real good. All right, everybody, I hope you have the best weekend. Again, I'm hoping to get on snow this Sunday, and... We'll talk to you Monday over on our Blister podcast. We've got a great episode there. And then Tuesday, it's Apocalypse Snow. The 40th anniversary of Apocalypse Snow is upon us. Come here, me and J-Bob and one or two very special guests talk about it all. Take care, everybody.